Chimera, Bellerophon, viruses, antidotes, scientists, the Black Plague, kids playing and singing, airplanes, and multiple kinds of masks. And who is really who? Hi, this is Dan Silvestri. And Tom Pizzato. From SpyMovieNavigator.com. Fly with us today on our Cracking the Code of Spy Movie show as we decode the pre-title sequence in Mission Impossible 2. Let's go. All right, the camera brings us over Sydney, Australia into a unique looking building, which they tell us is the Biosite Pharmaceuticals building, and then swoops us right into the building and into a lab. So it's kind of a cool opening shot. We see a man, Dr. Nikorvich, at an incubator. It's some kind of a machine. It's kind of hard to tell exactly what it is, but it's a scientific gadgety thing. Yeah, it's something I think where they're growing things. So yeah. I think it is kind of an incubator machine. With his hand stuck into the machine through protective gloves as he picks up a pistol-type mechanism and seemingly injects something into his left wrist as he speaks the words. Well, Dimitri, every search for a hero must begin with something that every hero requires. A villain. Therefore, in a search for our hero, Bellerophon, we created a monster. Wait, Dan, he doesn't speak those words we're watching. You, uh, yeah. you hear a voice. Later, you find out it's his voice. Yes, yes, yes. But his mouth isn't moving. Right. And so, yes, it is Nikorovich's voice we hear as we find out later. More like we're reading his thoughts. Yes. Which I like. I don't have to see his lips moving. But the words are the key here. Right. But when he's saying them, we don't know that's him. We'll he could be out. he could be hearing something, you know, playing something back in his mind yeah, yeah, as yeah. he's going through that at this point. Sure, but we know when we find out the voice, right? Is that what you're saying? Yes. Okay, all right. All right. <laughs> then a close-up of a briefcase and a man walking while the same voice is saying, I beg you, Dmitri, come to Sydney and accompany me to Atlanta immediately. However we travel, I must arrive at my destination within 20 hours of departure. Who's Dimitri? That's maybe the, maybe this guy is Dimitri. We're hearing the voice, and that's Dimitri going to Atlanta. Speaking to himself? Yeah. Well, no, he could be playing back something that a conversation he had with somebody. Yes. And that person was saying, come to Atlanta. And so he's walking with the briefcase, leaving towards Atlanta. Clearly a message he sent to someone, Dimitri, about this trip. He looks like he's going to be taking. He's got a briefcase. Not many luggage, but he's got a briefcase. He says more stuff, and that he must arrive at his destination within 20 hours of his departure. Okay, so this is strange to me. Yeah, what? As you said, Nikorovich says he must arrive at his destination within 20 hours of departure. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. But then the voice we hear, if it is Nikorovich, uh-huh. he's telling Dmitri come to Sydney and accompany him to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. So that means it's that he's not in Sydney right now, Dmitri. Yeah. So what we hear, he must have said days before the injection so that Dimitri could get there. Because if that was him thinking right then, come to Sydney, I've only got 20 hours before I have to get to Atlanta. Right. So that's yeah, not going to so happen within the 20 hours. Well, so what we heard here... Well, this is a key. Yeah. So what we heard here while he was injecting himself couldn't have been in real time. That's our first clue that we're not actually hearing a real-time conversation this guy's having. Yeah, yeah. No, it's not real-time. He's walking with his briefcase. Right. And we're hearing this as though... We're having a little insight into what he did hours ago, days ago. We don't really know. But 
We see he's not talking, but right. we hear the voice. And we do find out later, after the pre-title sequence, mm-hmm. when Ethan Hunt gets briefed by Mission Commander Swanbeck, who's played by Anthony Hopkins. Yeah, great. Swanbeck plays the tape of Nikorovich pleading for Dimitri to come help him out. Yes, so we huh? hear the same wor- the same conversation again. Like the yeah, intercepted but a telephone But it's off of call. a tape. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right. All right. So he looks at his digital stopwatch, and it reads 19 hours, 47 minutes, and 16 seconds. Okay, so we assume Dimitri knows he must arrive within 20 hours of his departure, and we assume he left 13 minutes ago or so, and now the time is ticking down. He's got less than 20 hours to get to Atlanta now. Right? Yeah. Right. He's not at the airport yet. Right. He's just outside the building. Well, the question then is, what's his departure? Yeah, uh, it's unclear. Th- this is a question that we, we're going we're gonna to catch him on because there's a problem here. Yeah. <laughs> now, we don't know who this guy is yet. Really. We, we just see him and the, the lab and the injection and whatever. And we don't know what he injected into his wrist. And we don't know why he needs to arrive at his destination within 20 hours of his departure so within the first 30 seconds of this movie we have no clue what's we going know on. nothing <laughs> <laughs> we see nothing we've heard nothing we say nothing well we've heard stuff we just don't know what it means yet well wait as we discover the 20 hour thing is important and keep this question in mind must he arrive within 20 hours of his departure which he just said or within 20 hours of being injected Hmm. Well, and is the departure his departure from the building? The departure on the plane? You had already said this. If the the countdown stopwatch thing started at 20 hours right. from the time he injected that stuff, which appears to be what it is timing-wise, yeah, he injected okay. yeah. and then he leaves the building. As you said, he's 13 minutes into his race against the clock, whatever yeah. that is. I'm thinking it, take him, it took him a long time to get out of that building. From the time of his injection. If well, he's he had, a, If he's in a hurry. He was like in a lab coat or something. He had to take off the lab coat. Oh, and, yeah, you know. that takes time when you're planning this stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Tick, 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 tick. All right. We saw that he injected himself. We assume it was him leaving the building with the briefcase. And as he exits the building, he sees children playing, dancing, in a circle singing Ring Around the Rosie. Now, I'm not going to sing Ring Around the Rosie because I really don't have a good singing voice. But you remember, you know, sing, Ring Around the Rosie, pocket full of posy, ashes, ashes, you all fall down. That was a kid's kind of nursery rhyme. And they sung it kind of, the, the way they had it done, you know, wasn't how you'd hear it on a playground. It was a little more eerie. The whole scene was eerie because the kids are singing this and as they're running around and playing it morphs into a black and white image yes and when when color goes to black and white that's a sign that this is not a good thing or they ran out ran out of color film (laughs) versus when in you know wizard of oz when the horse of a different color that moment it changes into color hey that was fun bright blah here we're going backwards we're going to black and white black and white to the old days of Ring Around the Rosie because it's an old song. Okay, you remember this nursery rhyme. And a lot of nursery rhymes are weird. They're yes. bizarre. Yes. And they have weird words and they mean weird things. So, this nursery rhyme, it's a dark song. It's, it, it is reputed that this song is about the Black Plague, which swept through Europe and Asia, killing between 75 to 200 million people between 1347 and 1351. 
Now, that's something great to sing about, isn't it? That's nice. <laughs> Let's think about that. Yay, go play, go yeah. play. Woo, woo, woo. Yeah. Now, there are other theories about this song, of course, but we're pretty certain this theory, the Black Plague, is the one the writers had in mind when they're showing us what they're showing us and we're hearing what we're hearing. And some of the symptoms that the victims experienced before dying from the Black Plague were red rings or rashes on their body. That's the ring around the rosies. And people thought the disease spread through bad smells. They knew nothing about this stuff then. So they would carry flowers with them, sometimes in masks, to protect themselves. A pocket full of posies. Ashes, ashes probably refers to all the burning of the dead bodies because there's millions of them. Like you said, this is a dark yeah. And we all fall down, all those who have died. Not good. What a fun little nursery rhyme. Well, and with it going to black and white, that's a little ominous foretelling that there yes. may be some trouble in our future. Yeah, and this song could be that old. So the fact that kids are singing this as the man with the briefcase and who was in the lab is watching them singing about a plague. <laughs> This is a big hint to us. Yeah, what could that mean? Let me what, think. What will unfold in this movie? Now, <laughs> I, I will say, you mentioned this briefly, that there are conflicting theories about that song being about the Or conflicting, yes, whichever way you like. There are conflicting theories <laughs> about that song being about the Black Plague. Uh-huh. I won't go into all the details. I've done some research on this. Yeah. But with cultural wording differences mm-hmm. and the timing of when the song really became popular... There are some people speculating that this is not really about the Black Plague. Yeah. That seems to be the going the going theory that most people think of. Yes. So it's a popular theory, and it would definitely fit perfectly. for the scenes that we're seeing here. Absolutely perfectly. Well, That's, and with where the story goes. Yeah, because we know what's going to happen. Exactly. Yeah, so I think that's what they're going for here. The director makes a point of showing us this, and makes us see that Dr. Nikorovich sees the children singing and he looks reflective. Freeze frame that when you're watching the movie. He looks reflective, deep in thought as to what might unfold as he's watching these kids. He watches them and he's listening to them intently and then his eyes shift down just for a second in a moment of thought, perhaps a foreboding thought. Tick, 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 he knows tick, 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 times. Time's still counting. Yeah. But what can he be in thought over? His quest for 20 hours? Or is it the fact that these kids are singing about death and reminding him of whomever's death he's mourning? Yeah. He has a black armband on his left arm here. That's good. And when he's on the plane. That's a good so point. Because that's easy to miss. So he's mourning somebody. Yes. And we find out later there's a guy named Grotsky who yes. I assume is who he's mourning. Yeah. I think we'll find out that that's the truth. But I, that he's mourning Grotsky. But I think it's even more foreboding than that because he knows what he has created and he knows what it can do. And I think when they reveal that to us, we will know. And that's the scary part. That black armband, I think, is more than Grotsky's death. Ah, okay. That's very possible. All right. So now we morph into an airplane. The shot transitions very nicely. I like that one into a roaring plane and a shot from the outside of the plane through the window of the same man. Okay. Now we're intrigued. A lot of stuff has happened so far. We saw him in the lab. 
Some inject themselves, say something mysterious about Bellerophon and the monster, Chimera. Wow. All right. This is a good pre-title sequence so far. I'm liking it. I'm thinking, okay, you've grabbed me. You've got my interest. So that's the setup. He's traveling and must arrive at his destination within 20 hours of departure. So on the plane, the pilot announces that they're two and a half hours from Atlanta and there is a nice view of the Rocky Mountain. Wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. This is the kind of thing that drives me absolutely crazy in movies. They've got it wrong and it's so easy to get right. right? So if you fly from Sydney to Atlanta today, the fastest way to do it is through Dallas. Yeah, was it then? I don't know. It would have been. Okay. At two and a half hours out of Atlanta, you'd be transferring planes in the Dallas airport. So how could you be passing the Rocky Mountains then? Because you don't go through the Rocky Mountains if you go in that route. Now, if you were going from Sydney to San Francisco, and then San Francisco to Atlanta, they might be routed through the Rockies, but it's an even longer flight to get from Sydney to San Francisco than it is from Sydney to Dallas. And he's in a hurry. So more on that later as well. This timing thing, Yeah. I think they totally blew it with saying they're going over the Rockies and it's two and a half hours because they wouldn't have been doing that. Yeah, so if you look at a map and look at where the Rocky Mountains are in the United States, San Francisco's way to the west of them, Denver is right in them, and Dallas is nowhere near the Rockies. Right. And so you wouldn't see the Rockies flying right. from Dallas to Atlanta. Nor would that be two and a half hours, I don't think. But it would no, be from it, the Rockies. Well, that's why I say you'd be, you'd be transferring planes in Dallas two and a half hours out of landing in Atlanta. All right, so Dr. Nikorovich is sitting next to Dimitri, an old friend. Now, Dimitri happens to look like Ethan Hunt, Tom Cruise. <laughs> happens to look like? Well, I don't know why he's Dimitri. We, if we, who knew Mission Impossible 1, know Tom Cruise plays Ethan Hunt, Right. Then we see him on this plane. Who are we going to think this is? Yeah, now it's interesting because we don't have the knowledge of what happens in Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol when we see this. Mm -hmm. But in Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, Ethan Hunt uses the alias Dimitri. Yeah. So <laughs> this Dimitri appears to be a cover name that Ethan Hunt is using. So to Nikorovich, it's Dimitri. Yeah. But okay. that's a cover name for Ethan Hunt who's sitting there talking to him. All right. And let's see. The doctor keeps looking at his watch. Well, we know this guy. He's got to hurry. He's got 20 hours, right? <laughs> yeah, he can't get there that way, but that's a different issue. <laughs> his trip yes. planner is not good. Yes. Anyway, Dimitri says, you keep staring at that watch as though your life depends on it. Now, this is great product placement. I love what they did here. So <laughs> he's wearing a Simon Carter alarm wristwatch. Yeah. It's a nice looking watch. It was a real watch back then. But in these type of movies, we more often see the spies and stuff with the Rolexes, the Breitlings, the Omegas, right? those type of watches. Yeah. Now, the price point of the Carter watches tend to be today under $300, with most of them around $200. Yeah. So this guy's a scientist. He's probably not making a ton of coin. So for him to be wearing a two to $300 watch actually makes great sense. I think that was a brilliant, yeah, okay. whoever figured that out on the prop side, yeah. that was really well done. Yeah, if he's really not making a lot of money, he can be wearing a $100 watch, but okay, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, but but it's but it's kind of cool that the product placement was not on you know a Seiko with a yeah, computer right. printer in yeah, it yeah, or, yeah, yeah. or something, or a Rolex. It was, this is the right kind of watch for this guy to be wearing. Yeah, all right. So 
Dimitri asks, tells him that. Hey, you keep looking at your watch. Looks like your life, de- like your life depends on this. And the doctor admits he's anxious. <laughs> they talk about Grodsky succumbing to Chimera. And then we discover that after you have been infected for 20 hours, nothing can save you, not even Bellerophon. Now we remember Bellerophon was the hero, Chimera is the monster, and now we have another 20 hour reference here. So now we put the two together. After 20 hours, after you've been infected, nothing can save you. We saw him inject something. He had to get somewhere within 20 hours. We're learning a little bit here. Well, and we're hearing that there is something to help against Chimera. Yeah. And it's called Bellerophon, but it won't do you any good after 20 hours. Well, that's what he said, right? Yeah. The hero needs a villain, and the villain is the monster Chimera. So on the last syllable of Bellerophon, when he says, not even Bellerophon, they show a close-up of the leather briefcase he is carrying. Now, that's not a coincidence. It's hinting maybe to us that he has Bellerophon in the briefcase with him because it goes right to it on the fawn of Bellerophon. Yes. <laughs> Again, so why is he anxious to get to Atlanta? If he passes his 20 hours, which could happen on this long flight, what will happen? Does he have the hero with him in that briefcase? Well, if he does, and he's got a 20-hour clock, he doesn't really have a 20-hour clock because when time gets close, if Bellerophon will save the day, he could just take the Bellerophon. You would think. So that's the dilemma here. We, as a viewer, don't know what the dilemma is yet, other than our dilemma that we can't figure out why he's so worried and anxious. If he's got the Bellerophon in his briefcase, and he's like, hey, this we're a little delayed here. We're circling, and we're not going to land within 20 hours. Bam! I'm going to inject myself, or whatever, drink it, whatever we don't know. Then why is he so anxious? <laughs> All right, let's get back to what the doctor said. After you've been infected for 20 hours, nothing can save you, not even Bellerophon. This is the very different than he must arrive at his destination within 20 hours of his departure. No, within 20 hours of his injection, he's got to be wherever he's got to be if, in fact, he doesn't have the hero with him. This is the other question. And so we saw him inject something in his wrist. Hmm, so, okay. So he has less than 20 hours to get to Atlanta and his final destination. Well, we don't know why. If he's got the hero Bellerophon with him, we don't know. Why is he so worried about getting there? I don't know. I still don't know. So how long is this flight? We talked about this a little bit from Sydney, Australia, Atlanta, Georgia in the USA. <laughs> I think the flight alone would take over 20 hours, right? Yeah, I mean, this is this is where the timing just totally falls apart and to an analytic person like me drives me crazy. Yeah. Unless he has Scotty ready to beam him up, he can't make this. <laughs> Yeah, like, he's not going to make 20 hours. For there, sure. There is a commercial flight route. Notice I said flight route. Mm-hmm. Nothing direct from Sydney to Atlanta that he could take. And it's about 19 and a half hours between the two cities with a connection in Dallas. That means from the time he they pull back from the gate to the time they get to the gate in Atlanta, it's 19 and a half hours. So if he injected the... Yeah. It, 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 this just doesn't make sense. Because the clock started when he was in the office, not in Atlanta. He obviously is concerned about the time. Yeah, so (laughs) let's do some quick math. 
So let's say he's leaving the building. Thir- they tell me there'd be no math. <laughs> no, sorry, I'm a geek. He's leaving the, build, the building 13 minutes after the injection, as we saw, assuming that stopwatch was giving the 20-hour countdown. Yeah, right, right, So right, de- right. depending on where he is in Sydney, let's be nice and say it takes 17 minutes to get to the airport, which okay. is doable in parts of Sydney. So 30 minutes is now gone. Yeah. So assume he's there 90 minutes before the flight which means he leaves two hours, the plane leaves two hours after his injection, <laughs> okay. and the flight time is 19 and a half hours, this guy's toast, <laughs> it's right? Not, it's not good. They, now, they never said Atlanta, Georgia, just Atlanta. Yeah. Now, maybe they were talking about a different Atlanta. There is an Atlanta in Texas. Yeah. But it's a three-hour drive from DFW. He could fly to Texarkana and drive to Atlanta. That'll take mm-hmm. an hour and 45 minutes the two hours, I'm thinking the flight going. between Atlanta, it's two hours and 15 minutes. I mean, he's not going to be able to make his 20 hour window. Yeah. No, I mean, no. I could get, I could go in further into this, but I think that I kind of proved my point. Yeah. <laughs> the 20 hours is a problem, but it's problematic for us too, because we don't know why he's got a 20 hour limit. If he's the guy with the hero, I still don't get that. So this is not a good plan. If he's got to get there in 20 hours by Dr. Nikorovich, just not a good plan. What's he thinking? Or does he have a backup plan? Bellerophon, does he have that with him? He said up front, Bellerophon is the hero, Chimera the monster. But if he has it with him, why must he get to Atlanta within 20 hours? It still makes no sense to me. Because nothing will save it, including Bellerophon. After 20 hours. Right. But he can inject himself on the plane. If it's an injection. Or drink it, or whatever it is. Yeah. Right? I mean, unless you need a hospital. One would think. (laughs) I mean, this is important because as we'll see, some think he does have it with him. (laughs) Let's see. All right. Dimitri asks him if you can carry Chimera and Bellerophon together safely while staring at the briefcase. I love that. It's like, I'm toned in. You got to have this in that briefcase. You're holding the briefcase on your lap. And, And as far as Dimitri slash Ethan knows... He's got both in there. Yeah. Right? He didn't see the injection. He's asking him, can you carry them together safely? Yeah. The doctor confirms, yeah, they can be carried together safely. And he taps his briefcase saying, you get us to a safe place with them in Atlanta. With them. Thank God. He says this, tapping on his briefcase. All right. What are we supposed to think? Of course we think he's got Well, they want us to believe. That's what they're telling you. They're leading us down this path. Okay. They want us. They want us to believe that you can carry them both safely together. Yeah, get us to Atlanta with them, them. But we should know better. With this <laughs> Mission Impossible movie, <laughs> we should know better. That's true. Something's gonna happen, and the captain announces a slight but abrupt drop in cabin pressure. And as a precaution, he has released the oxygen masks and instructs everyone to put them on. Okay, so we've got a mask that we're seeing. Mask. At the intro to this, you said there, there were multiple masks. There are more. Yeah, here's some. Here's right here. a mask. Boom. Right. They're dropping all over the place, masks. It's like a mask yeah. rainstorm. It's kind of the thing when you're riding in a plane and the mask drops down in front of you. Yeah. They tell you to remain calm. It's no, hard to. No way. No way. I'm remaining calm. Yeah, but you don't You don't see actually here the doctor scrambling. You don't see Dimitri scrambling for the masks. Yeah. The masks are dropping in a slightly startling effect too. Bam. They're out there. 
with the noise and visuals of them dropping, it's pretty good in the movie. It kind of shocks you a little bit. Yeah. And there's a close-up of a guy sitting who we have no idea. We have no idea who he is. We haven't seen him before. And who apparently doesn't have a mask drop in front of him. Hmm. Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay. He gets up. He got the wrong seat. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm sorry, sir. Uh, Dimitri, meantime, tells a worried doctor to put on his oxygen mask while he sees what's going on. A worried doctor being Nikorovich. Yeah. Worried yeah. doctor being. And while he sees what's going on, it's like, who's Dimitri to get up in an emergency on a plane to see what's going on? You're going to go to the cabin, the, the cockpit, and say, hey, hey, Captain, what's what's happening here? Yeah, and I'm supposed to be putting this thing on right now, but I'm going to walk around a yeah, little first. Yeah, uh, I'm not that panicked. Yeah. Others are putting on their masks as instructed. So the captain is communicating with the Denver Center, which, of course, now we said the Rocky Mountains, Denver, Colorado, those are all Rocky Mountains there. So that ties back with the Rocky they, Mountains. They aren't even near the Rockies, but, Yeah, but they can't be from what we said before. So, and they're telling him they cannot maintain cabin pressure. The captain's telling him they can't maintain cabin pressure, and then he's descending to 16,000 feet. We can see the captain is not wearing a mask, while the co-captain is wearing a mask. What? This is a little confusing. We got one guy who doesn't have a mask drop in front of him. We got a captain wear, not wearing a mask, the co-captain wearing yeah. yeah, this is nuts. What's with the co-captain, I'm thinking? What's he thinking? Well, not much because he passes out. <laughs> so he's not thinking for long. <laughs> I guess having to put that mask on scared him. Yeah. Close up of the captain shows a slight smile on his face as he looks at the co-captain. Hmm. I hated that guy. <laughs> now. Now you think, yeah, it was my favorite co-pilot. <laughs> no, I don't know. Yeah. Then over the captain's right shoulder, we see the navigator pass out. Another one bites the dust. <laughs> yeah. Oh, always. He was wearing a mask, too. Yes. Uh, yeah. And we see the captain tear off his headset and lower the altitude target to now 10,000 feet while engaging the autopilot. Well, we're wondering, what's happening here? Remember, Denver, Rocky Mountains. Not even close. At least in theory, <laughs> according to what they're telling us in the movie, that's where they are. Uh we see everyone has passed out on the plane. Well, anyone wearing a mask that is hmm. passed out on the plane. Let me, let me let me guess here. Yeah, this kind of remind <laughs> you uh, of Thunderball. Yeah, a little bit of Thunderball. Stealing Ball the nukes. There. Yeah, exactly. All right. All this time, even though Dimitri told the doctor to put on his mask, he hasn't. So the doctor was like, who's panicking about everything, getting there in twenty hours or whatever. He hasn't put his mask on yet. He now is looking at his mask suspiciously because everyone's passing out. <laughs> yeah, now it's interesting because these masks drop down and these people pass out or it kills them. Yeah, I, we don't I, know. I, I think it puts them to sleep because on the co-pilot, the mask slips off. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, and right. He try, later, and he yeah. tries to pull up the plane. So yeah. I think it really just knocked them out. It didn't yeah, kill it's a them. Yeah, yeah, I don't the, want to... What's, you know, what they're going to do to the plane is going to kill them anyway. Yeah, I don't want to kill them with, with yeah. gas and stuff. I mean, come on. Yeah. They're, they're not that mean. Yeah, now, so you mentioned Thunderball. Yeah. Right, so that's one movie where we've seen oxygen masks used. Yeah. And in there, it was used to do bad things, yeah. like in here. Now, it's... Yeah, Dorval poisons yeah. the crew. So this is the closest parallel in a movie that I can think of to what happens here. Mm -hmm. But we also think about the movie Fight Club where Tyler Durden says that the oxygen masks will get you high 
and they use them to calm people down. <laughs> Yikes. So little different use of those. Uh-huh. Right? Because like I said, I'd be panicked. Yeah. If that thing dropped uh, right, right. And then we yeah. can't forget that awful movie, Snakes on a Plane. Oh, yeah. Where the snakes drop down when the oxygen masks are deployed. Yeah. So nice we touch. we have seen the oxygen masks come down and appear in other movies, sometime for similar, as we'll find out, devious means. Yeah. So we see Dimitri sit down next to the still unmasked doctor, because I think by now the doctor's thinking something bad is happening here that I don't know about, and it's not just this this oxygen mask and cabinet pressure stuff. It seems like we have a problem, Dimitri. Okay, now we suspect a lot of stuff. <laughs> Think so? <laughs> yeah, you got a problem, Dr. Korovich. Dimitri leans into the doctor's face and says, You keep calling me Dimitri. You really shouldn't. Oh, so Ethan's blowing his cover name now. Yeah. So, okay, the doctor's finally catching on. You are not Dimitri? And Dimitri chaps the doctor in the neck then slams his head down, knocking him out as he takes the briefcase from his hand. Yeah, see, I don't think okay. I don't think he's slamming the head down. I think he's trying to do that thing they do in movies because he kind of like jerks he jerks his shoulder a little bit. That thing where they twist the head to try to break the neck. Ooh, and you see that in a lot of movies. Okay, all right. They don't show it, but the way that Ethan's shoulders move. Now we've seen it in a bunch of other movies: Clear and Present Danger, Dead or Alive, a bunch of different TV shows. And the funny thing is. It may cause damage to the neck and spine, but everything I've read, and I've taken a long time to try to find stuff, it says that it's actually highly unlikely that you're going to kill somebody this way. You may hurt them, but you're unlikely to kill them. So it's a trope you see quite often and a trope used erroneously. Maybe you only got to knock him out. You got to just disable him for a little bit so you can take the briefcase. That's all. We don't have to worry about that, whether he killed him or not. Well, he tells one of the guys... Dimitri, who's not Dimitri. So Dimitri tells one of the other guys. Wallace, hold on to this, the briefcase, as he peels off his mask to reveal that he's not Dimitri or Hunt. There are four of them all together who are pulling off this caper, but... Okay, wait a second. So he pulls off a mask. So we're in Mission Impossible. We're used to masks being peeled off and seeing a different face behind them. Yeah. But how the hell did this guy get the mask? Yeah, it's always good. You know, it's such high technology, the mask making and everything else. We see it in the machine later, right? In, uh, yeah. In one of the Mission Impossibles. We only see these masks used with the Impossible Mission Force. Right. So is this guy with the Impossible Mission Force? Makes you wonder. Makes you wonder, but he's doing bad things. All right, we see the captain coming down the stairs, and the guy we saw getting up, before who didn't have a mask in front of him and so on tosses what looks like a parachute to another guy question what were the co-pilot and navigator thinking about when the captain was not wearing a mask when he's insisting everyone wears a mask he's flying the damn plane for christ yeah but they may not have been watching these there's got alarms going off they're looking Uh, around right so they're preoccupied doing their task they might be distracted because they're you know you're trained when this happens this is what you do Stay on task. Yeah, okay, all right. And just and if you remember, just as the co-pilot does turn to look at the captain, that's when he passed out. Yeah. All right, all right. The cabin pressure issues seems like Dimitri and the pilot are in on it because here's the pilot. He sets it to 10,000 feet autopilot, so it's going to crash because he lowered the altitude. 
Dimitri removes the mask and reveals someone else, not Tom Cruise, as we said, or Ethan Hunt. So, and there's four of them. Right. And they open a hatch as the cockpit announces terrain, terrain, pull up, you know, the emergency. Yeah, the emergency system. system, that, system yeah, there. kind of ominous, but terrain, yeah. terrain, terrain, okay. pull up. <laughs> the Rocky Mountains, which we mentioned a million times, are before us. And they parachute out with the doctor's attache case with the virus and the antidote. Well, wait, or, wait, wait, wait. Or wait. we don't know. Yeah, see, we're going to find out the virus wasn't in there. Well, don't tell us. Well, well this is the pre-title. I'm assuming you've seen this movie by now. The damn thing came out in 2000. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This isn't one of our quick fires where we get it out within a week of the movie yeah. releasing. All right. So the virus isn't in the case. We find out it's just the antidote Bellerophon. Yeah. They get the virus from the lab later in the movie. Well, they're trying. Yeah. So, so, but what I like about this is that the virus was injected in the doctor, which is why he was going so so goofy and why it wasn't in the case. And that's why he said that they could travel together because he was carrying the virus inside himself and he had the antidote in the briefcase. Yeah. So which, I th- which still makes me wonder why the hell he was so worried about getting anywhere in 20 hours. So <laughs> let's blow this plane up. <laughs> well, that's what happens at the end of the pre-title sequence. They all parachuted out, which doesn't bode well for the plane. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when it hits the mountain and yeah. explodes. Well, you see the, the we see a shot of the cockpit. We see the co-pilot just kind of coming around and coming to just in time for him to see the Rocky Mountains in front of him. He tries to pull the plane up, but no, oh, no, too late. Whoa, no way. Bam. <laughs> and that's it. So that's a wrap. That's a wrap. <laughs> the plane's gone. Dr. Nikorovich is killed uh, and everyone else on the plane. And these four guys, whoever they are, get away. Now the cool thing I do with like the, briefcase. the cool thing I like about this is we started this out talking about we don't know we don't know we don't know we don't know yeah we go through this whole thing a plane's going to explode the doctor looks like he might have been killed there's a mask making us think that Ethan Hunt was using a cover name and he pulls off the mask and it's not Dimitri and it's not we still don't know what the hell's going on and we're out of the pre-title sequence yeah the only thing we know now is that we don't know anything <laughs> <laughs> that's the one thing we know for sure. Well, what that means is we've got to watch the rest of the movie. Yeah, but these four guys who pulled this off look like, man, this was the slickest operation it was, that we've seen, yeah, right? This is a real operation. Mission Impossible kind of operation. Yes, absolutely. And we find out later... But, and they've got the masks, so they're, are yeah. they IMF? Uh, we find out later these guys weren't as slick as they thought. Well, that's true. <laughs> because it wasn't Ethan Hunt behind the mask. It wasn't Ethan Hunt behind the mask, no. And the Bellerophon and Chimera weren't in the briefcase. Yeah. And they thought they were yep. traveling together. That's right. So they kind of, as slick as they were, screwed up this little mission from Mission Impossible. That mission, so far, for them, was impossible. But, but they, they, think they, got a, they think they got away with it. But at this point, they think they got away with it, and we might think they got away with it too while you're watching this stuff all right so that's really as much as we can say about what we don't know <laughs> which is what the pre-title did for us and this isn't the first time that we don't know anything <laughs> that's a wrap revisit mission impossible 2 because the subject matter of a serious virus that can spread around the world is even more relevant now than it was in 1996 why why, why would you say that dan <laughs> yeah 
All right, this has been Dan Silvestri. And Tom Pizzato. SpyMovieNavigator.com. Please subscribe to our show. That means a heck of a lot to us. Cracking the code of spy movies right now on your favorite podcast app. Tell a friend about our show. Give us a five-star rating on your app. And follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, too. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it. Thanks a lot.